So I have two scripture readings from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament this morning, from which the sermon grows. And the sermon is about, and this will become more clearly explained in the course of the sermon itself, this is, these are passages about wisdom and aging. And after the second one, we'll sing, it's one of the great hymns of the Christian faith, we'll sing that text put to, to uh, music. The first one is from the prophet Isaiah. Even, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am God. I am the one who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you, and I will save you. And then these beautiful and somewhat familiar words from the psalmist, the 90th Psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were even brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, and it is past, or or like a watch in the night. The days of our lives are 70 years, or perhaps 80, if we are strong. They are soon gone, and we fly away, so teach us to count our days, that we might gain a wise heart. And let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and prosper for us the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. This ends the readings from the prophet Isaiah and the psalmist. And may these words, which once transformed the disciples' hearts, transform our hearts as well. Please rise, arise in spirit, and let's join together in singing the hymn we just read. You may be seated. 
Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Now, I understand it's a cliche, but I have to tell you it rings true that as one grows older, time does seem to move faster and faster. Days, months, years, even decades begin to fly by. And this sense of accelerating time has prompted this sermon on Christian maturity and aging. And maybe, maybe I'm finally ready to preach on that. <laughs> Given that just over a month ago, I turned 60. You're supposed to gasp and say, it can't be. No, that couldn't be. <laughs> but it's okay. You know, as one lifespan chart has predicted, given my lifestyle, I still am very active and I don't smoke because of predicted future medical improvements, parental longevity, that statistically, it's only a statistic, I should live to about 90, which means at 60, I am beginning, God willing, yet another, but also the final third of my life. Now, Claire says, don't worry about it, you're in great shape, you're just, you're just reaching middle age. And, and I responded to her basically with a laugh as well, that, <laughs> really? Because how many 120-year-old husbands do you know? <laughs> but couple that to the fact that I've been in the ministry 32 years, 22 as senior minister, I was 38 when I became senior pastor. But if I retire well into my late 60s, which is my plan, so, again, God willing, you're stuck with me for a while, that means that I'm also in the final quarter of my career as a pastor. Now, before you become concerned and say, is Rich having a midlife crisis? I'm not, don't worry. I still drive my cars until they conk out. No muscle car convertible on the horizon. Things are lovely at home. The only thing that's surprising to me is that, I swear, as I turned 60, I was 40 just a couple of years ago. Now, you may think, oh, this is a midlife crisis, but it isn't. This was a great 60th birthday present. You know I love the Boundary Waters, so right up here, I have two canoe paddles tattooed. <laughs> 60th birthday present. So maybe it is a midlife crisis, I don't know, but still. <laughs> I do want you to know that there's really actually good news in the, all this talk of aging. And it emerges from a, one of the burgeoning areas of psychology, and it's known as happiness studies. And here's what's wonderful, is that the studies are almost univocal and unanimous in what they've concluded. And that is that for most of us, as we grow older, our sense of well-being improves. And I have to say, I would echo that conclusion. And at first glance, here's what the researchers assumed they would find. Because they kept discovering that people in their 50s and 60s and 70s and their 80s had this sense of improving well-being. They were certain it had to do with perhaps retiring or the anticipation of retirement. Or maybe it was because if they had children, the kids were out of the house and they had launched them. So they thought that they would find that this increasing level of well-being would be because there's less stress. But it isn't what they found. Here's how one Stanford psychologist summarized the findings of all these studies. 
as to why happiness and aging are related. And it's called emotional selectivity. She said that when we're younger, we have to bank a bunch of experiences. We have to do a bunch of things that we might find rather unpleasant, but we believe we might reap the rewards in the future. For instance, she said, if you're in college and you think, maybe I'm gonna go to med school, you might subject yourself to taking organic chemistry. Or we might go on a blind date or tolerate a difficult boss. <laughs> but we do those things hoping they lead to something positive in the future. But as we grow older, we believe there is less and less payoff in those unpleasant investments. So we're less likely to make them. And so all the studies sh sh had shown that as people aged, what they said is they had spent time more and more time with people they know they already like and bring joy. Or instead of going to a networking conference when they were younger in hopes of a better job, one person said, yuck, you might study to become a sommelier or take a class in beer making. And thus your days become richer and more meaningful as a result. Emotional selectivity raises your happiness quotient. But there's something else they discovered I found extraordinary. That as we age, our definition of happiness shifts as well. Young people tend to associate happiness with excitement. And as people age, they begin to, to attend or connect happiness with peacefulness. So the older we grow, they found, the more even-keeled we become. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if happiness is triggered by peacefulness and spending time with those that you know give you joy, then as we age, it also makes sense that we appear to aspire to moderation, which might lead to why sometimes people will always, as they grow older, say, well, I'm looking for the silver lining in daily life. And one of the researchers concluded it in this way, and she joked and said, so it appears, she said it appears, that in compensation for your diminished eyesight, you get rose-colored glasses. I think that's true. And maybe it's because we all understand, regardless of our age, that tomorrow, tomorrow is uncertain. I mean, the journey of life has inevitably taught us that. We do begin to realize that today becomes much more significant. And when we can't take things for granted, we often find ourselves asking what really matters in life. Maybe the better way is what the psalmist said is what really endures. What endures? And things like keeping up with the latest fashions or maybe even the baseball standings might seem a little bit less than they were once before. And I think... I think that no matter what one's age, that is a description of a maturing Christian faith. A faith in which we find ourselves asking about what really matters and about what really endures. For five years now, I've coordinated the United Church of Christ Senior Pastors Conference, but I've attended it for 22 years already. So I've spent a fair amount of time with clergy friends who had long careers in the ministry. 
And over those 20 or some odd years, I, the ones I've loved sitting with and listening to never, never spoke of successful capital campaigns or how many people were in attendance on Easter or, or the moment they were in the hospital room when they said just the right thing. Although plenty of folks spoke about that. But instead, the ones I loved being with were the ones who would remember a moment of grace or kindness that had been surprisingly exchanged between estranged family members around a loved one's hospital bed. Or maybe they remembered when tears welled up in their eyes the time a child hugged them during a baptism. And they would say sort of the same thing at the end in various ways, but it boils down to this. They would say, can you believe I got to see that? Can you believe I got to see that? Many of my friends have also come to believe, I think, that God prefers routine days of service from all of us. And for my clergy friends, that's when they really began to love their work. And maybe one of the keys to joy in life at any age, is to be open to the blessings that flow from all of the things we dare to call ordinary and routine. And to say, can you believe I got to see that? The drudgery of going to Mariano's, yet remembering how lucky I am to afford guacamole. The umpteenth time of pulling weeds after spring rain after rain, after rain, yet thinking how blessed one is to have tulips showing off their beauty. And yes, maybe even the ordinariness of a gray, gloomy day in winter. Because sometimes during that low light of winter, sometimes we become more sympathetic to the fact that those that we care about, those that we care about probably need fewer opinions and suggestions. So fewer brilliance and light from us, and more warmth. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Can you believe you got to see that? Well, that brings us to this 90th Psalm, which sets the human's lifespan, if you heard it, on a very believable and modern scale. Our time, 70 or perhaps 80 years if we are strong, saying our lives are finite. But also acknowledging that they are played out on a stage that runs from everlasting to everlasting. But we must remember that that stage does not belong to you or me. It belongs to the one for whom a thousand years, we just sang, is like yesterday when it's past, like a like a watch in the night. And yet this psalm also, which affirms the eternity of God, also asks us to remember the rhythm and pattern of our everyday lives, which is exactly what the happiness studies suggest we do. For as we age, so no matter what our current age, but as we age, counting each day as precious implies that we choose to spend time with people who bring us joy. And we remember that those that we care about probably need fewer opinions from us, less light from us, and more warmth. And then to say about the small, poignant moments 
that in earlier days may have escaped your attention because of busyness. To say, can you believe I got to see that? The psalmist reminds us to not take any day for granted. And if we remember that, no matter what our age, we will gain a heart of wisdom and a loving one as well. May it be so. Amen.